Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Britain scrambles troops to get its diplomatic staff and citizens out of Afghanistan, as Joe Biden becomes the first American to force Boris Johnson to pull out against his will since Jennifer R. Curie. Incel culture inspires another mass shooting, this time here in Britain, as women everywhere wonder just how terrified they need to be before the men attacking them get labelled as terrorists. The NHS waiting list in England hits a record high of nearly five and a half million patients, as Sajid Javid really tests the great British love of polite queuing. And finally, July becomes the hottest month ever recorded. So hot, in fact, that poor, horny August has been dripping wet ever since watching it leave. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. Sit yourself down, fasten your seatbelt, and hold on to your lunch as we rev the engines of news and then spin obnoxious donuts in the car park of the mainstream media. We'll be bringing you the week's biggest stories from across the multiverse, provided, of course, that a satire podcast is capable of making them at least a bit funny. That's obviously not the case for the horrendous scenes that unfolded in Plymouth this week, and our thoughts are with all of those affected by Britain's worst mass shooting incident in over a decade. The start of this week brought with it the release of the much-anticipated report on the health of our planet from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. I say much-anticipated, that's probably a little misleading, given that just about everyone knew that its findings were going to be fucking horrifying. It was much-anticipated in the same way that a nervous industrialist anticipates a package from the Unabomber. The report brought with it some dire warnings of the need for urgent action to reduce our global emissions, but here at the network we're committed to impartiality, and as anyone who watches the news knows, impartiality means balancing out thoroughly researched scientific data with a passionate ignorance of self-aggrandising quacks. Nobody in the British news sphere does passionate ignorance better than GB News at the moment, and we've successfully lured over one of their most viral correspondents with the promise of a couple of hundred actual listeners. Oh, and by viral, I don't mean he's racked up thousands of views on YouTube. I mean literally viral. He refused to wash his hands when he entered the studio and just mumbled something about freedom. Here to argue against the IPCC's predictions of planetary doom, it's that bloke you vaguely remember from that documentary about rocks or whatever. Freedom. For me, it is all and only about freedom. For me, without freedom, there is no point in anything. So take away the climate models, the record temperatures, all the scaremongering and apocalyptic predictions, all the steel hand in reusable canvas bag coercion. Take all of that away. What are you left with? My ego. Some dewy-eyed blitz-spirit nostalgia wank that horrendously recasts the intentions of an actually community-minded generation, and enough self-satisfied hyperbole to appeal to the selfish whims of hysterical fucking morons. 
the IPCC report would have you believe that our world is dying. That in order to save it, our governments must take drastic action now. This is the slow creep of tyranny, the false promise of a force that believes it is poised to make the world a better place. These false prophets, these bogeymen in hemp trousers, would have you believe that the future is more important than your freedoms. Nothing could be further from my ludicrously selfish opinion. These scientists, these so-called experts, these men and women whose careers hinge on the acceptance of their truths, would tell you that methane is a greenhouse gas, when I've been in a greenhouse, and they're actually full of air. Weird, warm air that smells of dirt and tomatoes, but still air. What's more, they'll plead with you that methane is killing the planet. And that is a lie. If methane was so dangerous, I'd be dead, because I've done my own research by farting into half a coconut and then cupping it to my face. I took a deep, pleasurable breath, and at no point did I keel over and die. That is what these climate scientists will refuse to tell you. To be alive and to live on a habitable planet is not enough. What matters is to live in freedom. A bird is such a fragile creature. Without movement, it is nothing but a handful of feathers and air. Apart from seagulls, they're quite hefty and a bit scary. I saw one up close once, they're much bigger than you think. Oh, and um, and albatrosses, they're fucking massive. And emus, ostriches, cassowaries. All right, fine, feathers and air might have been a bit reductive. Freedom, like how big a seagull is, is not negotiable. You either have freedom or you do not. I mean, yes, laws govern and affect that freedom, and I'm not free to drink drive or refuse to wear a seatbelt, for example, but don't bring logic into this. I'm talking about freedom and emotions and the freedom to have emotions and the emotions you need to feel free. I have three children. They're all growing up fast. Teenagers all. I often think that I'd quite like them and their children to grow up on a planet that hasn't seen us hit our ecological tipping points with our biodiversity wiped out and huge swathes of our planet rendered uninhabitable, triggering a global migrant crisis that destabilises countless countries and leads to wars. But then I remember that I love freedom and I carry on burning tyres in my garden because I am a free man. And here's the thing. If your freedom means you get to continue to profiteer by burning fossil fuels, then so be it. If my freedom means you wretch when I walk past you, huffing from half a coconut, then so be it. That is honestly how I see it. For the sake of freedom, yours and mine together, absolutely nobody should make the tiniest of personal sacrifices for the sake of the greater good. That is the legacy of World War II and our great British heroes, Brave men and women who laid down their lives so that 80 years in the future, pompous arseholes in cravats could place their own limitless liberty above the futures of an entire generation. This climate crisis, this endless push to decarbonise and save our planet, is tyranny, and I for one will not live under that yoke. As I have done all my life, I place myself above people smarter and more compassionate than me, and I walk with my head held high. I'm Neil Oliver. (coughs) (coughs) Reporting for IC News. 
While the nation's kids may have an ecologically ravaged planet to look forward to inhabiting, at least they'll be able to fight to the death over a tin of rusty condensation water in the great desert of the future, safe in the knowledge that they do so with a cracking set of exam results. In a year that saw many exams once again cancelled due to the pandemic, replaced instead with a system of teacher assessments, A-level and GCSE results this week reached record levels of attainment. However, those results were worryingly skewed in favour of private education, and the government's former catch-up czar again warned this week of ballooning inequality in the system. Alison June-Smith has the keys to the dimensional gate this week, and she's been looking for some helpful words of advice to reassure Britain's students. Results Day. It's a nerve-wracking time for any student. You've worked hard, endured the stress of the assessment period, and it all boils down to the contents of one little envelope. One little pouch of paper holds the key to your entire future. That would be enough tension even without the impact a global pandemic has had on your education. But wait, I'm not done there either. It's Results Day. There's a pandemic raging, and the man in charge of overseeing your school's response to it is Gavin Williamson. Can you spell anxiety, kids? Well, you better fucking learn. And while you're at it, learn how to say it in Latin as well. That's a life skill you're really going to need in order to succeed in today's labor market. If you've been following the news this week, you might have been a little surprised by some of the headlines. The conversation isn't so much about the performance of our young people, but about how these results are inflated or somehow undeserved. Personally, I think it's pretty incredible that the nation's kids have achieved such brilliant things even after another year of fundamentally useless leadership from the Department of Education. In another year of total uncertainties, the only thing our kids have been able to rely on is the uselessness of the man in charge. That suggestion isn't right against left, Labour versus Tory, anymore either. The idea that Gavin Williamson is a clueless maniac with no idea what the fuck he's doing ceased to be a political issue months ago. It's really now more of a universal truth, written in stone, peer-reviewed and confirmed by the laws of maths and physics. One plus one equals two. Energy cannot be created or destroyed, and everything Gavin Williamson touches turns instantly to shit. Denying the mountain of evidence that he is terrible at his job is like denying gravity. Look. Nobody is arguing that this year's set of results represent a flawless assessment system. The exploding inequality in terms of grades achieved between private and public schools is proof of that. But if our national narrative is about the kids with inflated results rather than the absolute fucking catastrophe they've had to endure over the last 18 months, then we are seriously missing the point. We don't need yet another panicked overhaul of our exam system. We don't need more dead languages crammed into the already overstuffed curriculum. We need the fucking catch-up funding that the government's own advisor recommended before he quit in complete disgust at the actual figure our leaders were willing to pay. The systematic disadvantages that our poorest children face in education have only been made worse by the pandemic. 
Fixing those problems and the growing gulf between state and private education is going to take investment, cold hard cash, and a competent, capable education secretary who genuinely recognizes and understands the hard work that needs to be done. That's why I've come here, to Earth Delta Echo Humble Brag 32. If you've read any comment section online this week, you'll know that every fucker and his dog has had an opinion about these exam results. The thinking in this reality is that surely somewhere in all that public opinion, there's enough wisdom to steer our young people out of the crisis of this pandemic, which is why they've developed this machine. Hello, Alison. It's a pleasure to meet you. This is the Have Your Sayatron. It's a powerful supercomputer into which every comment section in the internet gets fed. Then the algorithm takes over to distill them into genuine, accurate, helpful life advice. That's correct. I am the purest, most concentrated form of British online opinion. So you can bet you're sweet behind that this guy knows exactly what to say to Britain's kids. That's right. Don't worry too much about your results, children. All that matters is that you work hard. Hard work beats talented and lazy every time. I left school with just two GCSEs and now I own a house in the country and drive an Aston Martin. And my wife is double jointed with symmetrical features and double D breasts. Uh, okay, these aren't really words of encouragement. They're just boasts about your life. What your teachers won't tell you is that I own a five-bed townhouse in Milton, Keynes, and my wife is a Porsche 911 with leather breasts and no mortgage at the age of 42. None of this is actual advice. Was everybody online this week just bragging? I failed my A-levels. And I still have a double-glazed beach house in Cornwall and driver Bugatti Veyron. And my wife is a Taiwanese houseboat. Oh my fucking god, enough. This isn't about you. I did not get anything above a sea, but I live in an imported Dodge Challenger and work in a bank earning 70,000 wives a year. You, too, can live life like me if you just work hard and are born in an era with actual affordable housing, like the 50s or 60s. Jesus, does this thing have no off switch? You just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I am a pornography lawyer, earning one million Bentleys per calendar year. Christ, it really is like a boomer online. <sighs> I'm Allison June Smith, reporting for IC News. I am a self-made success bison, and my wife is a shiny level 99 Charizard. It's not just the nation's students that are currently feeling nervous for their futures. One member of the royal family found themselves a little hot, but remarkably sweatless under the collar this week as well. Virginia roberts Jeffrey, one of the victims of billionaire paedophile Jeffrey Epstein, has long alleged that her victimisation at the hands of Epstein and his girlfriend led to her being sexually abused on three occasions by his friend Prince Andrew. 
This week, she launched a civil suit against him in the US, calling it the only avenue she had left to hold the prince accountable for his actions. Joining us in the studio today to discuss the latest developments in this long-running scandal, it's our royal correspondent, Sebastian Forlock. And a pleasure it is to be joining you, Sam. Although I do wish it were under happier circumstances, this is a sombre day for our beloved royal family, but our great nation is one founded on the principles of decency and accountability. This uh, shameful embarrassment, this vile stain on the name of the monarchy, must be scrubbed out with real vigour. The gravity of the situation demands nothing less. I consider the professional scrutiny with which such a crisis must be met to be my most solemn duty. My ire will be fair and just. May this discussion form the scalpel required to excise the cancer of this scandal. That's refreshing, actually. I'm used to you being a bit more, well cloying when it comes to the royals. Please, I treat our revered monarchy with the respect they deserve, but this blight has been festering for months now. There can be no complacency in addressing it. The sword of justice must swing for all men equally, or be rendered a blunt and meaningless blade indeed. All right, Sebastian, calm down. This isn't the Royal Shakespeare Company. We just need to address the facts of this case, and I suspect our listeners will want to know what could potentially happen next in this saga. What comes next is as clear as day, Sam. Further humiliation and disgrace for our beloved Queen, and more weaseling, mealy-mouthed ducking of accountability from her most shameful progeny. Well, no more, I say. The truth will have its day. Well, that's exactly the argument that Virginia Roberts Dufre is making, isn't it? She sees this as her last resort to force legal cooperation from Prince I mean Andrew and the arrogance of it to simply assume that they would be invited to President Obama's birthday soiree, given the damage they've done. I mean I hope this snub pierces the bubble of their self-importance and forces them to realise that true leaders always prioritise positive relationships with the royal family. Loyalty is their most trusted currency after all, and this grotty, self-imposed exile displays none of it. Wait, what? No, this isn't what we're talking about. <laughs> and as for Meghan Markle's estranged half-brother's comments before he goes to the Australian version of Big Brother, what a source of such unquestionable integrity! He called her shallow. Who could deny that rings true, Sam? The shame of such an allegation coming from such a reputable source... Who has more credibility when casting aspersions on a woman's character, hmm? Who could know her better than a man she hasn't spoken to for a decade, cashing in on her name to boost his profile? No, no, we are not doing this. I am not going to allow the seriousness of this story to get hijacked by meaningless nonsense about Harry and Meghan. He warned the Duke of Sussex that his wife would ruin him, Sam! What scathing insight! Those who dismiss Thomas Markle as an embarrassing, profiteering parasite do so at their peril! This evil in our midst could bring down the royal family as we know it! 
Jesus Christ, Sebastian, we are talking about Prince Andrew, a man accused of sexually assaulting a child victim of human trafficking, hiding behind the shield of royal privilege. I know what you're doing, and I couldn't give less of a shit about any of it. <laughs> and as for Archwell, their production company, what even is that? <clears throat> Please, the floundering, desperate talent grab to salvage their televisual endeavours is an embarrassment. What will it mean, Sam? Yet more gristle for this mill of lies. A TV company hiring staff is not the story here, Sebastian. And you and the Daily Express fucking well know to it. Think our queen kept awake at night, now alone in her marital bed, besieged by the never-ending controversies generated by the selfishness and publicity-seeking antics of her once-beloved grandchild. Is there no end to the ignomies she must suffer? This is just ridiculous. Have you really got nothing to say about any of this? About Prince Andrew's run to Balmoral to hide from the public scrutiny of it all? For Christ's sake, Sebastian, there is a photo. What possible excuse, and I mean a genuine one, not the utter horseshit Andrew himself has tried to come up with, could there possibly be for a man of his age to be pictured with a 17-year-old girl in the flat of a confirmed paedophile and his accused girlfriend? Can't hear you. Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Britons never, never, never shall be slaves. If you're against slavery, Sebastian, you should be equally up in arms about the privileged elite being complicit slaves in the sex trafficking of children. God, God dressed, saved all in green. Long live our noble queen. God and what about Andrew's decision to again stay with Epstein even after his conviction for child sexual Assault. We'll send her victorious, happy and glorious. Long to reign is all the time we have for this segment. Oh, marvellous. As always, Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure really digging deep into the realities of our monarchy with you. It's only with such insightful coverage that our revered institutions can survive in the modern world, you know. You're a real piece of shit, you know that? Yeah, right. This story, and I'm the fucking villain. Well, toodle pip, old boy. I'm Sebastian Forlock, elegantly avoiding reporting for IC News. Sebastian's expert time-wasting, unfortunately, also means that we've reached the end of our scheduled broadcast. Moving forward, we're going to be breaking up the way the podcast functions a little. From now on, we won't be taking the longer season breaks, and we'll instead simply do four weeks of new episodes, and then a week off with the compilation of that month's best bits. So we'll see you at 8am next Sunday for the first of those, before returning properly on August 28th. 
And now, though, we leave you as always with the headlines you may have missed. A deputy council leader responsible for the exploding cost of the Marble Arch Mound in London has resigned, as it turns out that he has in fact chosen a hill for his career to die on. Covid protesters storm the old headquarters of the BBC and soon realise the broadcaster hasn't held a presence there for years, which is surprising given that they're usually so good at doing their own research. Amazon moves production of its Lord of the Rings series from New Zealand to the UK for season 2, citing budgetary reasons. Apparently, they can save loads of money on orc makeup by just going out in Luton on a Friday night and recruiting extras there. And finally, Labour leader Keir Starmer backs Defra's decision to kill Geronimo the alpaca, after George Eustace whispers in his ear that all alpacas are secretly fans of Ken Loach. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of me van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.